Welcome to the Pope on Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is Malin. Oh, short, sweet, and to the point. I thought I'd go the opposite of the energy that you were giving out. I see. So, uh, yes, I am the Pope in question. My name is Maylin, formerly Reverend Steve, the founder of the Church of Ed Wood. Actual thing worth a Google. This is episode 441 of the podcast, and I didn't go and do a bunch of research about the life of Wolfman Jack, but I'm going to assume that he... Macho Man Randy savaged his throat. Yes. So like uh hey, I I'm I'm just uh this person when I'm not wrestling, but then when I'm wrestling, I'm gonna be talking like this brother. Yeah. And he did it so much that that just became his voice. I imagine he wasn't the greatest grandparent. Calm down, little baby. I've got you. You know, yeah. so I'm assuming that that's what happened to Wolfman Jack. Because you do see him for a second here talking normally, but I'm assuming that that went away pretty quick. If if it wasn't if it wasn't for the success of this week's movie, uh, American Graffiti, I bet Sean Nana just wouldn't exist. Oh no, and we wouldn't have the Fonz either. Or Greece. Yeah. Probably. Fascinating. The like ripple effect, like the, the butterfly wings. Yes. The butterfly effect. Uh this is episode four hundred and forty one of the podcast, which means that obviously there have been four hundred and forty episodes before this one. Why would we lie about that? That's really weird. Don't do the math. Yes. Today we're gonna be uh talking about a bunch of random things in the beginning. I've got a really great chap, and uh, this week's movie is American Graffiti, the prequel to uh, Star Wars. Uh, it, we're going to be playing a game during that. That's going to be really fun, and uh, I, I, I'm just really excited. I've I've got a a pitch for you, Bunny, for a movie. Uh, when we get to American Graffiti, because I have a serious problem with this week's film, but we'll get to that, okay? You have a serious problem with this week's a film. A serious problem with this movie. Okay. A serious I problem, but we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. Okay. Okay! Yes. It's time once again for one of those different sort of openings. Not necessary a news smattering per se, but some Little nuggies of news and also a couple of topics that we're just going to throw out there and discuss top of our head like. So let's do this. Are you ready, Bunford and Sons? Yes. All right, let's do this. According to the Washington Post, and this is true, white people are now more likely to die of COVID than black people. Wow. A blow for whites, but a win for equality. Yes. Yeah, so previously, black people used to be more than three times as likely as whites to die from COVID. 
But at the buzzer, here comes white people <laughs> with the win. Yeah. Yeah, I'm assuming it's because so many of them are fearful of COVID and let's just say science. Yes. To be fair, uh, you know, you could worry about COVID or you could worry about getting a table at the Cracker Barrel, you know? Oh, fuck so. the Cracker Barrel. They have menu items that I do not approve of. Like what? Uh... Not sure. I haven't been but, there. But I, I heard somebody in my church said something. Somebody so I don't go to Cracker Box. Gotcha. Cracker, Cracker Box. Cracker Jacks. Bonnie, uh, while watching this week's movie, American Graffiti, a modern day classic that I have a serious problem with, but we're going to get to that in the second half of the show. I thought, you know what would be funny? Just a just a small amount of extra work for you, but wouldn't it be funny if we wrap up the podcast? Okay, uh, I concur with your assessment, good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams, and I am A. Lynn, and on behalf of Natasha and Eleanor and Maxwell and Caitlin and everybody else in this house, I just want to say thanks for listening and we will see you next week. You godless heathens. Do 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 cut and print. Then you do a freeze frame and you put different uh end credit postscripts. Well that's that's not gonna happen without any warning to prepare. No, no, I'm not saying now. I'm just okay. saying in future episodes, like the show can end and then it's just a freeze frame. And uh, May Lynn is now a writer in Canada. Yes. Bunny Williams was last seen in Vietnam. Missing yes. in action. Presumed scared. I just thought that that would be funny, and then you could do something different every episode. It would be a more fun ending. I always like it when things do that. I'd like to think that American Graffiti is the sequel to Stand By Me. Okay, yeah. Because isn't Richard Dreyfus a writer? Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, Stand By Me is the first film, even though it came out second, and it shows Richard Dreyfuss's character when he was much younger, and then the sequel, which came out first, showed his character as a teenager going off to college. Yes. Yes. It's the same character, because he's a writer, and he's writing the story of Stand By Me in that movie, so it all makes sense. That's, that's how I cast everything in my mind. So, uh, Mal, Mal, is this on YouTube? Yes. Yes, okay. So, on YouTube, uh, they're doing... Who, what channel even is this that's doing this? Cartoon Network. Cartoon Network, okay. Cartoon Network's YouTube channel is running like a 24-hour <laughs> do marathon right now. On, on YouTube, they're just doing a... a 30th anniversary. For Scooby Doo's 30th anniversary? No, for the for, oh, for Cartoon Network's 
30th anniversary, they're doing a Scooby-Doo marathon, showing all these old Scooby-Doo episodes and then some Scooby-Doo movies. They're doing that cyber chase movie right now. I hope they show the really horrible WWE movies. There's two of them yes. where WWE yeah. teamed up with Scooby-Doo. It's the worst. I, I know they're not going to show Supernatural, but they should show they Supernatural. Should. <laughs> but um, it's, it, I'm just really upset because I've been watching it for a while. It's just been on the TV. <clears throat> and uh, so far, no original Scooby-Doo. So far, no Laugh Olympics. Oh. What the heck? I'm just upset. I'm just upset. Who would have thought that the director behind the live-action Scooby-Doo movie would eventually be given the reins of the DC Cinematic Universe? Yes. Did you hear about this? James Gunn, yeah. Yeah, he is. He's that's the thing about uh, I recently saw Black Adam. Um, <coughs> it's fine, it's just fine. It's not the best, it's not the worst, it's fine. But the reason why I really liked it is unlike so many other DC movies, it actually tied into other films. Uh huh. Amanda Waller from Suicide Squad showed up and sent a team. And Black Adam got his powers from the same wizards who gave the powers to Shazam. And uh, uh, spoiler alert, that's not really a spoiler alert because it's already been spoiled a million times by a million different people. Superman's in at in the end credit sequence of uh, Black yes. Adam. Uh, Henry Cavill, the Witcher, is in it. And so finally... This is a DC movie that actually cares about continuity for once. Yes. And it was kind of surprising to see. And I liked that. So it seems as if uh, DC is actually starting to give a shit about their movies and tying them all together. And I'm really excited about that. I'm excited <coughs> for James Gunn. I'm excited for James Gunn being in charge of DC. I never thought I'd say this, but I'm excited for the DC Cinematic Universe. I, I, I would... I, he really, really needs to do some callbacks to Slither, though. He made Brightburn. Uh-huh. And DC said, give him all the films. Are you sure? Brightburn was really effed up. It give him all the films. So, like, Romeo oh, and Juliet. Okay. Yeah! crazy anyway so over the past few weeks the media has been uh covering this low budget indie horror movie called terrifier 2 have yeah. you heard about this bunny i've, You've heard I've about been seeing pictures and i've seen pictures of that clown before yeah okay yeah so there's reports all over the place of uh people fainting people vomiting people having to be carried out of theaters by ambulances. This is true uh, because of how gory this horror film is. Literally, you just search Terrifier 2 and the news articles will pile up. Here are just a, a few smattering of uh, tweets. Just so y'all know, I'm a changed 
person after seeing Terrifier 2. This is the goriest movie I've ever seen in my life. That's from at Sonya 25S. Uh, uh, Terrifier. This is from Kev Resurrection. Terrifier 2 opening kill actually made me lightheaded. Uh, just watch Terrifier 2. You guys, my brain is traumatized. Gruesome is the only way to describe Terrifier 2. Rarely does a film come along and go absolutely nuts with violence and gore like this. That one scene in, in the first has been topped easily, and I doubt they'll ever top it again. That girl got absolutely destroyed. That shit is bananas. Uh, uh, yeah, so it, people are freaking out about this horror movie. So uh, just to be clear, uh, I did not see Terrifier 2. Okay. I saw Terrifier 1 and then saw Terrifier 2. Double feature! Okay. For the sake of the podcast, I did a double feature a few days ago. 2007's Terrifier and 2022's Terrifier 2, which is allegedly causing people to throw up and or faint. Uh, and a little bit of background for me. I was a major wuss and avoided all horror films until I was in an armed robbery while closing one night at the bookstore. And uh, <laughs> after, the, when you have a loaded gun to your face and someone saying, give us all the money in the safe or we're going to kill you, suddenly Saw isn't that big of a deal. Yes. So uh, I, I, we've been real busy this month. A lot of things to do, a lot of places to go, a lot of meetings and a lot of school events. And, oh, I've got to take this person to the doctor, but then I got to take this person here, but then I got to drop this person off. And it's just been nonstop. And then the weekends come, but we there's no uh, rest on the weekends because, oh, we there's a trick-or-treating event happening here. There's a trick-or-treat event happening here. We've got to, uh, we've got to go to Sam's Club. We've got to do all these different things. So uh, on Monday or Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday, I finally had a day where all the kids are going to school. I'm going to be at home. So I, I, I binge watched Terrifier and Terrifier 2. Um, here's the thing, though. The first Terrifier is actually a sequel to the film All Hallows Eve, which is one of those uh, Tales from the Crypt sort of movies where it's like, here are three scary short films certain to scare you. And all of those films in that movie featured a character named Art the Clown. Yeah. And then that film, All Hallows Eve, was a feature film version of a short film. So even if you start with Terrifier 1, you're, you're already behind. Yeah, okay. So once you're starting the film, it's a bit uh, complicated because they're already talking about these uh, this grisly murder, these grisly murders that happened, and you're like, did I miss something? But anyway, uh, uh, where's where's the tweet? I tweeted, I tweeted this, and I don't think, I think that most people won't understand this, but I know you will, Bunny. Here it is. I'm a half hour into the first Terrifier, and I've seen enough Herschel Gordon-Lewis, enough Lloyd Kaufman, Enough Toby Hooper, enough Eli Roth, enough Roger Corman to spot a cheap-ass Grindhouse movie when I see one. Yes. 
And I really do think that the first Terrifier is one of those movies that would have scarred me for life like 25 years ago. But now I'm 40 something and I'm sitting here watching Art the Clown. So there's a naked woman and she's chained from the ankles upside down. And Art the Clown gets a uh, an old rusty uh, saw blade and from her privates down just saws her in half. Okay. And there's blood everywhere, and it's very graphic. And uh, <clears throat> people talk on Twitter about how that's one of the grossest kills of all time. But he, I'm 40 now, and I'm just sitting here going, Hello, Bone is strong! <laughs> there's no way this skinny-ass clown can easily saw a woman in half. Yeah. After only, like, you know, a minute of sawing. Yeah. That, that's going to be a workout to do that. Yeah. yeah These it, people uh, have never uh, cut a pork roast. Yeah. Like a skinny clown isn't going to cut a woman in half. You need one of those, uh, one of those eighties preachers who would, who would tear, um, uh, phone books in half the power team. You need the power team for that. Yeah. So, uh, the first terrifier, I, I didn't like it because, like, I saw Terrifier, and I saw Terrifier 2. This is what I know about the bad guy. His name is Art the Clown. He doesn't speak. Sometimes he comes back to life. That's all I know. I don't know why he's doing this. I don't know why sometimes he can come back to life. I, it's basically just El Generico the Clown kills people the movie. Yes. You know, he just appears and kills. And yeah, the kills are really gory and really bloody, but so the first Terrifier film was made for a whopping $100,000. Okay. So when it makes like half a million dollars, just like selling it online and, and, and as a direct-to-DVD, then they can say, oh, wow, this was a huge hit. Let's make a sequel. So they made Terrifier 2. Uh, they upped the budget for Terrifier 2 big time. You're not going to believe it. Terrifier 2 is $250,000. Wow. Whoa. Whoa. Calm down, million dollar man Ted DiBiase. <laughs> yes. It, and look. I'm trying to be a better person. I'm transitioning. Tomorrow will be my 20th week on a, a hormone replacement therapy. I'm, I'm trying to change and, and be a better person. I don't drink anymore. And, and I, I go to church every Sunday. And uh, I. But back in the day. Let's just say previous me. Like when the woman is being cut in half in the first Terrifier film, and people are going, "Oh man, that's so gross! That's so bloody!" Previous me knows a sex doll when they see one. Yes, it's obvious that that like body double, body double, real doll covered in blood. Yeah. I know a real doll when I see one. But to a but to a person who doesn't know uh, 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 sex dolls, 
and horror films, then sure, Terrifier 1 is pretty scary. Uh, so Terrifier 2, it's got a bigger budget. First off, it's over two hours long. You need to chill out, Ingmar oh, Bergman. God, no. Oh, and Chris Jericho's in it? What? Was Johnny Mundo busy that Saturday? Probably. Probably. He's really popular. And I, I was so pissed off because Chris Jericho has like mid-level billing, but when he does show up, it's during the mid-credit sequence. He's there to say 12 lines and then disappear. He is a like he's a nurse at a hospital. It's Halloween. And what is he doing? He's on his laptop watching Plan 9 from outer space. Okay. And now I am absolutely okay with Will Smith. Because I wanted to slap Terrifier 2 in the face. Okay. I wanted to walk up to the makers of Terrifier 2, slap them across the face, and say, get my movie out your damn mouth! Yeah. Pissed. I was so upset. So... Yeah, the violence in Terrifier 2 is very gory. It's very bloody. It's very over the top. But also, again, it's it's fascinating how easily bone can be ripped apart by a by an anorexic clown. And it's, so there's this really bloody kill in in the middle of Terrifier 2. It was leaked online and this woman is scalped and just the top of her head is just taken off, scalped and then she's slid across the float, the throat, and then she's cut a bunch of times all over the back. She's just bleeding everywhere. And then, uh, oh, yeah, in the beginning, it, uh, Art the Clown gets a scalpel and just slices her right here. Cuts through half of her eye and half of her face right here. So she's half blinded. She's scalped, torn, cut up, mutilated. He, he, he gets this arm and he bends it the wrong way. There's a snap. And then he keeps bending it until he's able to rip the arm right off. The woman is still conscious, is able to get off the bed and almost make it to the phone. Okay. No! That's not how humans work. No. It's ridiculous. It's it's silly. So, yeah, uh, it, it, there are stories of people vomiting and freaking out over this movie. Oh, man, this is so much. I, I can only assume. I can only assume that those people just don't know horror movies. No. Or if they do, they know modern horror movies that are like 90% jump scares. Yeah. When I lived in California, my wife and I stayed up until 2 a.m. one night, drinking like crazy and watching Cannibal Holocaust. And we were laughing throughout that film. Okay. I did not have a problem with Terrifier 2. But yeah, no. I imagine if, if you're, uh, if you've, oh, I've watched horror movies. I've seen uh, The Conjuring 1 and 2. And Annabelle Comes Home. Okay, well, those aren't really horror movies, and 
yeah, this movie's gore is going to freak you out. I'm assuming you've never had an Egyptian feast. <laughs> I got so cocky watching Terrifier 2 ha- a- over an hour into the movie that everyone is like vomiting at and getting squeamish of. I warmed up spaghetti and meatballs. Nice. While watching the supposedly disgusting movie. So, it felt like a low-budget trauma trauma type film that hit it big for some reason, and and it, it, it did nothing for me. And also, you should have at least trimmed it down to a tight hour 45. It is ridiculous that it's this long. Over two hours. I, I can't imagine. I, I can't imagine sitting through it for that long. Yeah. Well, uh, people complained that the first Terrifier just, there was no characterization. So I think that, that the director said, okay, well, for the next one, I'll put in a shit ton of characterization. And it's like, okay, I am really rooting for the 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 sur- the last surviving woman. What do they call them? Survivor Girl. Survivor Girl. Uh I like I am rooting for the survival girl by the end of the movie, but adding characterization to your horror film doesn't mean over two hours. This isn't Waterworld. No, no. So what? Does Art the Clown sit down and start like reading Sheila's uh Sylvia Plath? He never speaks. I have no idea how he killed himself in the first film and came back to life. I have no idea why he's killing people. I have no idea where he came from. It, no questions have been answered at all. Yeah. Period. After two films, technically three, technically three and a half. And I still have no idea who the F Arthur Clown is. And I'm a little bit disappointed in that. That being said, I fully support Terrifier and Terrifier 2, and I will absolutely watch a third one. Because this film was made for $250,000. It's the number eight movie in America and has made about $7 million. That is nice. huge. That is huge. Yeah. You know, this was originally supposed to just be a direct-to-DVD sort of thing, but the studio said, let's release it in a few theaters. And then people in those theaters were like vomiting and freaking the fuck out and walking out of the theater. And they said, okay, a few more. Okay, a few more. This weekend, it opened in 1,000 theaters across America. Good for you. You know, I support the movie. It's not really that. uh, It's gory, but like. I mean, if if you if you've seen gore, then yeah, no, this isn't that yeah. big of a deal. If you saw Terrifier and Terrifier Two, I bet you'd laugh and have a good time with it. Probably. So, so that's Terrifier Two. I support it. Not really that scary, but I one hundred percent support it. Okay, Bunny. Yes. I want to talk about a new video game that just came out. I don't talk about video games. I have finally gotten to that age where I realize I'm done. Okay. I'm just done. Every once in a while, I'll get into something like uh, Fall Guys. I'm really into the game Fall Guys. But 
I'm done. I've stopped looking through the video game section at the store because it's like I'm not one of those people who can just sit down for five hours and play a game. Like I, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm, I'm not that person anymore. So I don't really care about. Give me a warning. Okay, but this nugget of video game news is hilarious. So it's getting harder and harder to find physical media these days. You know, movies come out as a digital release and then come out as a DVD. It's getting hard to find DVDs. It's getting hard to find CDs. It's easier now for me to find records than it is for me to find CDs. Really? Yeah. I go to Walmart. There's a huge section of LPs and then like this many CDs. It's actually quite surprising. And also video games. Uh downloading is becoming like the main thing. You can download a game on day one. You can download a game. You won't have to go to the store, leave the house. You can just download it from your system. And that's great. You know, that you can download a game without having to go to a store. But these games are so huge. We're talking 90 gigabytes, 100 gigabytes, 200 gigabytes. That's a lot. So anyway, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 came out like two days ago. Okay, it came out on October 28th. And uh, a lot of people pre-ordered it online and like on Amazon and stuff like that. So like on Wednesday and Thursday of this past week, people started getting the game Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. You will not believe how much data is on the CD for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. No. 70 megabytes. Oh, okay. that's it. Just 70 megabytes. I mean, this podcast will be bigger than that video game. That's because if you bought a physical copy of the video game, essentially, you got a AOL online disc that just takes you to the website where you then download the game. Uh-huh. If there's okay. ever a sign that they're trying to get rid of actual physical video games, this is the sign. You're basically, if you're going to a store to buy Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, you're basically purchasing an empty box. Yes. It just has 70 megabytes, which is just a confirmation that you purchased the game, and then it sends you to the website where you just download it as if you would if you were at home. It's ridiculous. Video games are going, physical video games are going bye-bye, and that's just sad. I guess you just well, can. Yeah, uh, unless you have a Switch. That's one good thing about the Nintendo Switch, is that you can, that is a very portable game system. You know? Yeah. So, uh, one last thing. Bonnie, did you see the trailer for Ant-Man? Uh, yes, I have. Okay, so the trailer for Ant-Man 3 back in training just dropped, and without a doubt, the star of the show, without a doubt, the star of the trailer is a great line reading from actor Ruben Rabasa, a.k.a. the old guy from I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson, who wants nothing more than a good a steering wheel that doesn't whip out of the window while I'm driving. 
Yes. And he has that great line in the beginning that just steals the show. The thank you, Spider-Man! Yes. And so, I think now it's official. I think you should leave with Tim Robinson, the greatest show on TV. Without a doubt, the best thing that Netflix has ever done is now a part of the MCU. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping that they just incorporate I think you should leave with Tim Robinson more into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Tony Stark has so much money, he can buy all the shirts that Dan flashes. Miss Marvel flies in to Earth from space and said, hey, what did you guys do with my tables? They're filthy. <laughs> Peter Parker's high school principal is just there, you know, tugging on his shirt. Peter goes, Hey, principal. Hey, cool shirt. Thanks. It's a TC top by TC. It's a TC top by TC tugger. They're the only shirt with a tugging knob. Loki seems like someone who has slicked his hair back and eaten sloppy steaks before. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a bunch of other ones, but I'm not going to do them. So that's been the monologue. Uh, we are going to take a short break because Zoom, which is what we're using for this, will only let us record 45 minutes at a time. 40 or 45? I think it's 45. 45? Okay. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, it's going to be time for Steve's Historic Approximations. And we will be talking about the hilarious uh, struggles that one specific horror movie franchise had with the Motion Picture Association of America. It's going to be really, it's it's really good. And also there's a shap within a shap. Oh. A mini shap inside of a shap. A like shap a Russian nesting doll of learning. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. It's a really good uh, historic approximation. I think you're really going to like it. So, uh, uh, stay tuned for more The Pope on Film. I don't know how to do-do-do-do-do. I'll just go for it. Do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> and break. Certified Frustration-free packaging. Hmm. Not... Not frustrating. That's good. I guess I just pull here and, uh... Damn it. Damn it! Damn it! Okay... <laughs>
And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Hey! Yes. If you're like me, you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, the Pope on Film. I mean, who isn't nowadays in this day and age it, it, at this hour? Uh, in this, the, that was a great catch. Mal dropped their phone, but then did one of those things. Oh, do, do, do. Really yeah. nice. Really nice. You're like, are you Chris Angel? Because I just got my mind freaked. While you're pausing for a second. Yes, I am pausing go, for a do you second. you want to go catch bugs with Eleanor later? I don't know. Maybe. So, uh... But only real fans, true hardcore fans of this podcast, like the real fans, they who have been with us since the beginning, back when this was a radio, a 1922 radio drama. Uh, the, they would know the two basic facts that, about the both of us, the two really real and in no way made up on the spot facts about the both of us, America's hottest podcasting couple. Bunny and Malin. The uh, first and foremost, Bunny, is the fact that when you aren't doing this podcast with me, you are a celebrated psychic. Now, Bunny, if we could, I knew you were going to bring this up. Exactly. If we could be blessed with just a look at your powers, can you tell us what the future holds for our country? For our country. Oh. Oh boy. Uh after completely destroying the trans community, the right wing will go after the McDonald's franchise next. Nice. Because it is run by immigrants. They're Irish, but they're still immigrants. Yeah. Uh let's see here. Uh President Marjorie Taylor Greene will outwear, outlaw the wearing of shoes, feeling they are demonic. Uh, Makes sense. Secretary of State Lauren Boebert will declare war on Luxembourg. Yeah, uh, and Taylor Swift will get fat. Wow. Thank you for that look into the future. And remember, my friends, future events such as these will affect you in the future. Yes. And the second fact, which is about me, is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So this is the segment of the show where I get a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well, and reword it via my own unique storytelling pizzazz and that's what this is another educationally uneducational installment of steve's historic approximation dun, 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 dun. or shap as i like to call it repeatedly annoyingly whether anyone wants me to or not now personally i like the name shap it's short and it's concise. It's the Dumbo of podcast segments. And remember, kids, the movie Dumbo, the animated, the animated version, 
It is a hair longer than an hour. So the animated movie Dumbo is the line of demarcation to decide if a movie is in fact long enough to be considered a movie. Yes. Like Disney Plus uh, recently released uh, what they called an all-new animated Diary of a Wimpy Kid movie. However, it is 58 minutes long. Oh. And since that is shorter than the 64 minutes of 1941's animated Dumbo, the Wimpy Kid movie is just an hour-long TV special. Yes. It's not a movie at all. So let's remember the Dumbo demarcation line. Yes. Oh, your Wimpy Kid movie is 58 minutes? No, no. That's a special hour-long episode of The Office. Yeah. That is not a movie, good sir. Anywho, I was worried about saying good sir, because that's how I end the show. Uh, I was worried you would just start wrapping up once you heard it, like Pavlov. Possibly, but it didn't happen. In the clear. Yeah. Anywho... This week's Shappity Shap Shap is not about the Dumbo cinematic line of demarcation. Verbal copyright 2002, May Lin and the Pope on Film Podcast. All rights reserved. No! This week, we are getting in the spoopy season with a look at a trilogy of horror films and the downright ridiculous problems they had with censorship and with fighting the Motion Picture Association of America. And that's that's a long, that's a long thing to have to say over and over again. So we're just gonna shorten it a little bit. So instead of constantly saying the Motion Picture Association of America, I've shortened it to the Motion Picture Ass of America. Yeah. That's short <laughs> for the Motion Picture Association of America. The Motion Picture Ass of America. Okay. So the year was 1996. America is swept up in Macarena fever. Yes. Uh, no diggity. That's no what everybody diggity. was saying. No diggity. Well, it, everybody was saying that while reading Angela's Ashes and deciding which Spice Girl was their favorite. Meanwhile, a plucky young author named George R. 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 Martin. Yes. We later shortened that from nine R's to just two. He published a little book called A Game of Thrones. And 1996 readers said, wow, this book is so good. I can't wait for the full six book series to finally be finished in, I'd say, about 10 years. 12, maybe 15 tops. I mean, no more than 20. Can you imagine if it were 26 years from now and the series still wouldn't be done, wouldn't, wasn't done? How would you show your face? Yes. How would you go out in public and go to a restaurant and eat food knowing that you still haven't written the sixth? Frickin' book! Also in 1996, 
Marvel Comics went bankrupt. Wow! They're never going to bounce back from that one. No. Uh, and now I have a surprise for you, Bonnie. I have a mini shaft hidden within this shaft. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to learn about what happened in 1996. Whenever I talk about a specific year, I always try and, you know, go back in time to what was popular that year. And apparently in 1996, in New Zealand, AP News reported that in Wanganui, New Zealand, which, to give you some uh, clarity, is 110 miles north of Wellington, which, as we all know, is where the vampires and werewolves are. Yes. If you're a werewolf or a vampire or a swearwolf, and you live in New Zealand, you definitely live in Wellington. I saw a whole documentary about it. Although you should not be living in Wellington, but apparently you do. Yeah. So, in Wanganui, New Zealand... they have a crack force looking for you. They do. They do. I like them. So, in Wanganui, New Zealand, a 21-year-old man with a bomb walked into the offices of Star FM Radio. He took the station manager hostage and threatened to blow up the radio station unless they played the Muppet movie song Rainbow Connection on repeat to, quote, tell people how he felt. The station, Star FM, was forced to play Rainbow Connection for over 12 hours. Okay. Police eventually stopped the young man whose name they never released. And that was that. Period. The end. That's the end of the story. I'd tell you more if there was more. There's not more. There was even an American journalist who went to New Zealand to try and find out more. And he interviewed the people at Star FM and the station manager and the people who were there at the time. They have no idea who this person was. They. they never released the name, and and he was allowed to just get help. In America, they just would have shot him dead. Yeah. So that's fascinating. That is fascinating to me. Uh, there's no way. That's basically a preemie shap. It's really small. Doctors don't have hope that it's going to grow into normal size. Yeah. So that was the mini shap. Yes, Eleanor? No, I'm not almost done. I'm on Shap. I'm just about to start the Shap proper. I just did a mini Shap. Now I'm on to the Shap Shap. On December 20th, 1996, a movie came out, and it was a horror movie. The studio was mad nervous about this. They said, look, we know you're a horror director, and we trust you, but are you sure we should be releasing a horror movie five days before Christmas. It just seems a bit risky. Yes. Because this is the prestige time when award winners are being released. And those movies that they're trying to release before the Oscar cutoff, because December 25th is the cutoff for the Oscars. 
So that's why a lot of movies will come out on Christmas Day or right before, because they want an Oscar. So here is this horror movie coming out five days before Christmas, and the, 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 the director is like, oh, don't worry. Don't worry about this. See, here's my plan. All of these Oscar bait movies are coming out, right? All of these dramas. So teenagers don't have a film to go to. They will all go to our movie. Okay. Uh, I can appreciate the logic. Yeah, but the studio is still like, I still don't know. Still not sure. This is still a bit risky. But hey, at least we've got a major star in it. Our star of the picture, Drew Barrymore. Wait, what? Dies in the first 10 minutes. Ooh. um, We're still going to base the entire advertising campaign on her. We're going to... We're going to Vivian lay this bitch. Okay. It's going to be Drew Barrymore. Scream. So Scream came out on December 20th, 1996. And you would not believe the amount of money that it made on opening weekend. Give a guess, money. Give a guess. Give a guess. Uh... I'm just going to give it a, gen- a generic it tanked. You are absolutely correct. On opening weekend, it just made six million. That's it. Yeah. Period. And the studio said, oh, man, I guess Wes Craven is just all washed up. I guess we're not in the business of making scream movies. Okay, wrap it up. Wrap it all up. We're done. This is dead in the water. We're done. No more scream. But it like so so this many people, so few people went to go see Scream on opening weekend. But the people who did see it did go to their friends and say, dude, I saw this freaking weird ass horror movie. It's called Scream. It's all meta, although I don't think we say that in 1996, but still, it's super meta. Uh, And it's like a horror movie that's making fun of horror movies. You should go see it. So the second weekend, it made even more money. The third weekend, it made even more money. A month into it, and it was the number one movie in America. And that does not happen. It is very rare that a movie comes out and then just keeps making more money, but that is exactly what Scream did based on word of mouth. It is shocking, too, because when it first came out, you know what movie beat it? Beavis and Butthead do America! Nice. When Scream came out, more people said, I want to go see the Beavis and Butthead movie and not Scream. But yeah, it ended up in its in its run. I, I still have not seen Scream. The first one is freaking wonderful. It is a great movie. Because it's a movie that is aware of horror movies. I hate that. I would I would have watched every single solitary episode of the Walking Dead TV show if they knew what zombies were. Yeah. 
no one on that show has ever seen a horror movie before. No. It's ridiculous. And it's just, it, it, I, you know, that's one of the things I like about uh, 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 The Dead. What is it? Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Shaun of they the know Dead. George Romero. They're aware of the thriller video, you know? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That's that's what I hate. So it's really cool because it's a horror movie that knows about horror movies. Yes. And so it's really good in its in its first run. The movie Scream made eighty seven million dollars, but it did so good that it it made eighty seven million dollars in theaters. Then it was removed from theaters, but fans wanted it back, and so it came back to theaters. Four months later, it they released it again. Four months later, and it made another sixteen million worldwide. The first Scream movie made one hundred and seventy-three million dollars, which is nice. phenomenal for a film that had an opening weekend of just six million dollars. Since then, they have made five films, a TV series, and you see so many freaking masks every Halloween. I have done a lot of trick-or-treating these past two weeks, and let me tell you something. Every freaking kid that I saw with a Mike Myers mask, I wanted to ask them specific questions about Halloween 3. Yes. I'm not one of those people where it's like, oh, you're wearing a Slayer shirt? Name your three favorite Slayer albums. Which drummer's the best? Ah, trick question. There were three, you know, one of those, like, I'm, I'm not a gatekeeper sort of a person, but I keep seeing these, like, 11-year-old, 12-year-old boys with uh, uh, M- Michael Myers masks, and it's like, tell me, a, tell me, sing to me the Silver Shamrock song right now, you 10-year-old boy. Yeah. And if you can't sing the song, <laughs> I'm taking the freaking mask. <clears throat> Happy, happy Halloween, 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 happy, happy Halloween with Silver Shamrock. Do, 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 watch. Do, 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 And then freaking crickets come out of your eye holes or something. I don't know. So, oh, what was I doing? Oh, yeah, everybody wears the masks. Um. Uh, I don't. I don't want to focus on the entire series, the entire history of the saw of the of the scream series. I want to focus on the original trilogy, the first three films, and the trouble that they had with the motion picture ass of America. Okay. 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 Let's go. Scream one. Wes Craven edits the film. He sends it in to get a rating. The motion picture ass of America says, too intense, MC-17. <coughs> and that's just the kiss of death, you know? Wes Craven is like, well, we can release it, MC-17. I think that would be fine, but the studio is demanding an R. You have to get it to an R, Wes. Get it to an R. So, okay, he re-edits it. He re-edits Scream. He resubmits it for a rating. And again, the motion picture ass of America comes back too intense. NC-17. Funny, I got a question for you. How many different cuts of the film did Wes Craven submit until he finally got an R rating? 
I'm gonna go five. Eight. 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 And even on the eighth attempt, the motion picture ass of America said, too intense, NC-17. Even the eighth one was denied. They took issue with a lot, especially the opening scene with Drew Barrymore. You know what Wes Craven did? The balls on this man. The gabagoo. He, uh, he lied through his teeth. And and literally went to the motion picture ass of America and said, yeah, see, here's the problem with the opening scene uh, with Drew Barrymore. Uh, we only took one take. You know that Drew. She really is a special actress and she did such a good job that, you know, she just nailed it. And. Yeah, that's the only take we have. Sorry, we can't redo it. So the motion picture ass of America said, well. I guess that's fine, but you have to change this, you have to change this, you have to change this. The Still, the motion picture ass of America won't budge at all on the NC-17. So in comes our hero. Don't worry, everyone. I'll talk to the MPAA personally and get them to give us that R rating. Yes, me, your hero. Harvey Weinstein. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Harvey saves the day. Harvey saves the day. Yeah. So he talks to him and gets him to agree. Okay. The eighth take, that one can be fine. You can release it. So, uh, sure enough, the MPSA reviewed their decision. They gave the X, the eighth cut. That sweet R rating, that's a wrap on Scream 1. Now on to Scream 2, where the points are doubled. So, the first Scream movie did such huge bank. It made $173 million on a $15 million budget. So, immediately the studio rushes a second Scream into production. They busted ass into production so hard that the first scream. I know, but hold on. The first scream came out on December 20th, 1996. And the second one came out on December 12th, 1997. Yes, less than a year later, we got Scream 2. Yes. That's how quickly they rushed that into production. And Wes Craven is there going. Fuck. I'm going to have to go through it again with the motion picture ass of America. I'm going to have to go through it again. We're going to have that fight took so long. You know how long it takes to edit one film, let alone to edit it eight times? That's crazy. I do not want to do this again. I am so upset. How how am I going to do this? There's got to be some way that I can do this where I can trick them. There's got to be some way to to put one over on the MPAA to trick them. What can I do? So, boom, Wes Craven comes up with a plan. Okay? He comes up with a plan so crazy that it just might work. So, 
he made his movie super freaking gory. Way beyond what he actually wanted to do. Well, yeah, but that's an old, old trick that I, I can't believe Wes Craven didn't know already. Yeah, no, no, no. It, yeah, so, so yeah, he went beyond what he wanted. He was trying some reverse psychology. And so, like, there's a scene where a character is stabbed in the ear. Okay, so when they filmed it, they had him, they had a close-up of him stabbing him in the ear three times. Stab, stab, stab. And then when the MPAA says, hey, that's too many, he can go, oh, shoot, yeah, oh, man, oh, geez, Rick. Oh, man, oh, geez, I guess we'll just have to go with one stab. Ha, 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 little did they know that's what I wanted to do in the first place. And so they overdid the gore for Scream 2 thinking that they are going to fool the MPAA. So this is what happened. He gets this super gory version of Scream 2, gives it to the MPAA, and the MPAA says, Ah, hey, Wes! How you doing? Man, that first Scream movie, that did huge, didn't it? Man, that was a real big success story, and we're all proud of you. And, uh, oh, what's this? Another Scream? Scream 2? Yeah, whatever. It, we'll give it an R. So, uh, you thinking of doing a third? <laughs> and Wes Craven is like, fuck! Man, I... Are you serious? You're okaying this? This is a million times worse than the other one. Are you serious? And the MPAA said, yeah, well, after the first one, people are expecting the intensity. So go ahead and do whatever you want. So he so basically he, he fooled himself. Because the MPAA was cool with it. So it's like, damn it. OK, so he had to tone himself. He 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 edited the film. Not because of the MPAA, but because of himself had to dial himself down. So, uh, so yeah, so it, Scream 2 did almost as much money as Scream 3. Scream 2 made only one million less than the first one. So there's definitely gas in the tank. So this time they said, let's actually, instead of rushing into Scream 3, Scream 1 was a hit, Scream 2 was a hit. Let's actually take our time with the last, if this is going to be the last in the trilogy, Let's make it count. So how about we take an actual normal amount of time to make Scream 3? So uh, Scream 1 was done quickly. Scream 2 was done quickly. Scream 3 was made three years later. So they actually took a normal Hollywood amount of time to make Scream 3 because they wanted to make it right. And Scream 3 comes out. That's the weird one with Jenny McCarthy and Carrie Fisher. Jay and Silent Bob are in it. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So they really went all out with the third one. Scream one had a budget of 15 million. Scream two had a budget of 24 million. Scream three, 40 million. They went all out for the finale of the Scream series. And that included the gore, my friend. They went all out with the violence. 
because they fought the MPAA in round one. And then in round two, they were ready to fight the MPAA, but the MPAA just rolled over. So they said, okay, the gloves are off. Taking off these gloves. I am ready. We are ready for Scream 3. We are going to go all out with this one. So much violence. Wall-to-wall violence. We're going to terrify her to this bitch. <laughs> it is going to be gory and messed up, and nothing's going to stop us. This will be the most violent film ever. But all of that changed on April 20th, 1999. You know what happened then, Bunny? Ten minute warning. What happened then? The third Scream film was ruined by the actions of two people. Eric Harris and Dylan freaking Klebold. Okay. The Columbine Massacre happened. And so America went, oh man, so uh, kids can just get guns and shoot up schools now? Man. Okay, who should we blame for this? I know. Video games and movies. Yep. They're the cause of all of this. So uh, they're like, we're going to make the scariest Scream movie of all time. You're going to freaking shit yourselves. It's going to be so scary. Wait, what happened in Columbine? <gasps> okay, <laughs> let's, just make, let's just make this the funny one then, I guess. So the Scream 3 was purposefully dialed down because of the Columbine Massacre. And I find that fascinating. Yes. We will never know their full plans for the violence and gore of Scream 3. But that's why in Scream 3, it's focused on the making of a slasher movie based on Scream 1. So it gets all meta. They basically clerks 3'd. Scream 3. Yeah. Because in Scream 3, they're making Stab 1. But then, oh, people are being killed on the set of this horror movie, and it, it's all meta. And Carrie Fisher plays a woman who looks like Carrie Fisher. Jay and Silent Bob are in it. It's really weird. Uh, fun fact, uh, there are some parallels now that people are seeing between the uh, the filmmaker in Scream 3 and Harvey Weinstein. So that's a fun thing to watch. Okay. Uh, and let me just let me just say, I've said this numerous times, and I want to keep saying it until I'm right, and I will be one day. Yes. If you're a Quentin Tarantino fan, enjoy his films now. He is a walking Me Too expose waiting to happen. Yes, he is. And it will. So enjoy it while you can. Uh, this man is worth $500. And this man intends to collect. His name is Jake Cahill. And he lives by Bounty Law. So that's it for Shaft this week. The first uh, uh, Scream movie I love. Second one's okay. The third one's weird. I never bothered seeing any of the other ones. But the first one is a great freaking movie. It is funny. 
self-referential. It's a horror movie that knows it's a horror movie, and it's good. And it ushered in like a new age of horror movies that that sort of knew that they were horror movies. It it changed the genre of horror films, and I absolutely love the first one. But hey, uh, this won't be the first time in this podcast. This won't be the last time in this podcast that we'll be talking about one really amazing movie and a really shitty sequel that never should have been released. <laughs> Hooray! Yeah. If I ever meet Ron Howard and he has a mustache, I am going to slap him so hard. I'm going to Will Smith his ass. I, 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 I would be a little more subtle about this, okay? I would just go a little more... I would pretend and think, wow, what an awesome fake mustache. Grab one end of it and try to rip it off. Oh, no, there's a caterpillar on your face. Smack. Oh, no, it's still there. Smack. It needs a lot of hits. Smack it. Smack, smack, smack. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. So that's it for Steve's historic approximations this week. What's it going to be next week? I don't freaking know. But uh, we'll find out. So join us next time for more educationally uneducational fun with... Uh, I'm going to cover your ears, Eleanor, because this can be a bit loud. Steve's Historic Approximations! And cut on that. Funny, are you still there? Yes, we are. Yes? Okay, good. Uh, I, I guess a little bit of running out the clock. Four minutes, 35 yeah. seconds. Uh, tonight at my church, I go to an Episcopalian church every Sunday, and it's really nice. Episcopalians are like Catholics, except they actually treat people nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, uh, Episcopalians haven't. Uh, spent decades covering up child sexual abuse, which is also another big plus. Or, the main... or they're really fucking good at it. Yeah. Well, uh, the head of my church, Father Tom, he is a priest. And I've met his wife and kids. That alone solves so many problems within Catholicism. Yes. You know? The fact that, like, you're getting some. That makes me feel so much more comfortable around you. <laughs> you know? Tonight they're showing the uh, silent film Nosferatu uh, inside the church, which I'm really excited about. And uh, uh, I will be speaking for two or three minutes before the film telling people about the history of the movie. Nice, okay. Yeah, I'm going to go up there and be like, Hi, everybody, my name is May Lynn. I'm a bit of a movie buff. I have a film podcast I won't be telling you about because there's too much cussing. Anyway, Nosferatu is a 1922 German film. So that's going to be my intro. I'm really excited about it. Yes. I'm going to be talking at church about Nosferatu. This is something that I didn't know, is that... um. 
by the time Nosferatu came out in 1922, Bram Stoker, hella dead, his widow still alive. She sued the makers yes. of Nosferatu and won. And the Germans courts ruled that all copies of Nosferatu had to be destroyed. The simple fact that this movie still exists is basically a miracle. Yes. I did, and that's freaking fascinating to me. That is and it's fascinating. a fucking awesome movie. Yeah, and uh, this will be the second film that I've ever seen with live organ accompaniment. I spent like $30 on tickets to go see uh, the, the silent black and white uh, Phantom of the Opera with a live organ accompaniment. Uh, and that was awesome. I saw that at the Orpheum in Phoenix, Arizona, and now I'm going to see uh, Nosferatu tonight, and I'm really excited about it. I was going to take the kids, but I think they're going to freaking hate it, so I don't think I'm taking them. And also, they have school tomorrow, you know? Yeah. Maxwell's fifth grade class is doing a field trip tomorrow to their cemetery. Nice! To the local cemetery, because the teacher wanted to do something to celebrate Halloween, but also it has to be educational, and it can't be outright scary and demonic. So they're going to do uh, like a, a, a history lesson at the graveyard and they're going to be doing math to find out how old people were when they died. And they're going to try and track down famous people. Apparently, the writer of the song Home on the Range is in that cemetery. Really? So they'll be tracking them down and they're going to be doing like a rubbings of, of some of the graves, gravestones. That sounds awesome. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh. We are so close. Yeah, I know. Eleanor's trying to show me something. Okay. So, uh, we're going to take a short intermission. There's going to be some music and some videos, and it's going to be a bunch of fun. And we're going to go to the little podcaster's room, and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about this week's film, American Graffiti, a wonderful film that also I hate. <laughs> okay. I will be explaining why. It has to do with Rebecca Black and Charlie Sheen. Okay. So uh be interesting. we Yeah, and then we're gonna play a little game at the end. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. So we'll be right back with more of the Boop on Film after this. Do do do
Hi, I'm not Dora the Explorer. I'm QAnon Karen. I'm different from Dora the Explorer because I'm God's color. White. This is my sidekick, Bunny the Rabbit. Say hello, Bunny. Dora the Explorer has a monkey sidekick, but not me because I come from Kentucky and not some shithole country. Oh, kids, can you count to 11? Well, how about counting to 11 million? Can you do that? Hashtag stop the steal. Because that's how much Trump beat Biden by in the 2020 election, but the Dominion voting machines were rigged by Hugo Chavez and the Zionists and the Chinese government to take down the God-fearing votes of the 90 million Christian Americans who voted for Donald Trump. Hashtag sheep no more. Look up in the sky. Do you see a star? No, you don't. Because stars aren't real. They're just a deep state psyop that's designed to control you. <laughs> Who's trying to control you? Just follow the money. Just follow the money trail. We're talking Bill Gates. We're talking George Soros. We're talking Hillary Clinton. Hashtag Hillary for prison. MTV's Dan Cortese. Hashtag oh, oh. save children. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Hashtag Hail Satan. And other Jewish people. Hashtag save the children. They're trying to mind control you. That's why the masks are there. That's not helping anyone. It's all a conspiracy. A conspiracy to implant chips into your bloodstream so they can know where you are. Jewish space lasers.
Beautiful Treasury Mail, $7.98 for album, $9.98 for 8-track tape to Slim Whitman's. Box 2525, Grand Central Station, New York, 10017. Be sure to do it now. This special Slim Whitman collection is available through this offer only. Rush, $7.98 for album, $9.98 for tape to Slim Whitman. Box 2525, Grand Central Station, New York, 10017. Slim Whitman, Box 2525, Grand Central Station, New York, New York, 10017. Dr. Frankenstein was my father. But you can call me whatever you want. As long as it's not... Oh! Hideous monster! Hideous monster! See you next week. Grab that special one and jump into your candy-colored custom or your screaming machine, cruise downtown, and catch American Graffiti. American Graffiti. Baby, what's that? It's a movie. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Go back in time. Where were you in 62? Is that you in that beautiful car? 
Jeez, what a waste of machinery. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, rock. We're gonna rock around the clock tonight. What did you say? Someone wants me. Someone roaming the streets wants me. And I bet you're smart enough to get us some brew. A ballpoint pen, a pint of old Harper. Okay, you got an ID for the liquor? Not until I left it in the car. You'll have to get it before. Oh, well, I I also, I forgot the car. Well, finally getting out of this turkey town, you just can't stay 17 forever. You ever get tired of going to daddy with somebody that ain't around? I'm up for grab. If I had a boyfriend, he'd pound you. What's wrong? Go to hell. Get your boogaloos out, baby. The Wolfman is everywhere. You know Toby Juarez? We killed him last night. Excuse me, I think we've had an accident. Well, I won't report you this time, but next time, just watch it, will you? I can dig it. It's one of those great old movies about romance, racing, and rock and roll. Oh, American graffiti. American graffiti. Where were you in 62? And we're back with more of the Pope on film. Did I mention that the pills kicked in? <laughs> Which ones? Ah, good point. It's time, Bunny! It's time. It's time. Yes, Bunny, my friend, it is time once again for all of us here at the Popon Film Podcast to funky chicken our way into the second half of our big shoe. And it is said second half, wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our all new, our all new unrated director's cut now in select theaters for a limited time, now featuring 12 minutes of never before seen footage. Movie on! Wow, that was yeah. yeah, that was good, Eleanor. And this week we continue our celebration of the vacating of a womb of the man, the myth, the bunny with Bun Tober, which is when my partner in crime bunny takes over the show. And for this, our third Bun Tober film this year, we thankfully leave the Cronenberging behind. With a look at George Lucas's 1973 American classic, American Graphophyte. 
Yes. Graffiti. A, a, yes, a long-time favorite, Hold on. Hold on. which Hold on. raises a lot of questions. Yeah. A lot of questions. Hold on a second, Bunny. Uh, Eleanor's been dying to say something. We caught a spider. You have a spider? Yeah, we caught it outside. Cool. Yeah, during the break, uh, we both went outside and we caught a spider. Cool. What did you name the spider? Spidey. Okay, I wanted to call it Fido Dido, but Eleanor <laughs> went with Spidey. Ah. I had a couple of names that were really good, including Fido Dido. Double Decker Soul Wrecker and Lou Ferrigno. But you didn't like any of those, and I was very upset about that, and I still am. You're you're out of the will. But see, now you have to figure out how to irradiate the spider. Yes. And, and then get, then it, to get it to bite you. Yeah. No. Or we get irradiated and we bite the spider so then it doesn't become spider-man it becomes man spider the spider with all the powers of a man he's the only spider who can do his taxes yeah now bunny before we get into it if i may have the floor sure may i have the floor uh you may have your floor i'm kind of using my floor Okay. Well, if I may have the floor, please. Yes, please. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> no, you don't get the floor. American Graffiti. No. Stop it. No. It is a certified classic. What are you doing? Stop it. Stop it. You're messing with all of mom's 800 tabs on her laptop. Okay. American Graffiti. Certified classic. A funny and sweet look. At Small Town America in 1962. It is a cinematic time capsule. It is a truly great film. The soundtrack, amazing. Modesto, the band who plays at the freshman dance, comes all the way from Stockton. Uh, great film. No BS. Wonderful movie. The film is great. Now! Let me tell you why I fucking hate this movie, Bunny. Okay. Okay. People see this movie now, and they go, oh, what an amazing look back at a much simpler time. It really just transports you to 1962. It really is just a time machine, and it's amazing, and it's incredible. But, Bunny, look at the dates, Bunny. Look at the dates. Oh, yeah. American sixty-two. American Graffiti is a 1973 film about how life was like way back in 1962. That's 11 years, Bunny. Yes. 11 years. 11 years is nothing, Bunny. Give me a break with those 11 measly years. And so, if we are saying anything, <laughs> we are saying that this town is really behind the times. Yeah, yeah. Good morning, Modesto. Channel 172. Uh, <laughs> so, 
allow me to pitch you an exciting new movie. I don't want to call it an American graffiti reboot, but uh, it's 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 definitely in the same style. I call it American planking. Okay. It transports the audience all the way back to that far, far away year of 2011, where everything was different. Yes. Takes you back to just a better time. Specifically, our film focuses on planking culture, which was really big back then. Planking was really the cruising of 2011. Yeah. And everybody was just going everywhere I, and planking on things. I am really excited for this movie right off the bat because you know what? I kind of missed it the first time around. Yeah. So we're really going to take a good look at planking life. Uh, just imagine everybody is on their phones playing Angry Birds and talking about their favorite Twilight movie. There's a big, long argument with one girl who is excited that Breaking Dawn is being broken into two films and another girl who is upset that it should just be one film. Yes. And then the boys come along and say, what? You guys are talking about Twilight. That's so lame. We're excited about the upcoming Hobbit trilogy. Yes. That's going to be way better. So everyone's busy playing Angry Birds. Uh, all the cars that are driving around, which look totally different from cars now. Uh, they will be playing all the big hits of the time. LMFAO, Katy Perry, and of course, Rebecca Black's Friday. Yes. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. You get to fart on Friday? You're doing your own cover over there. Everyone is quoting Charlie Sheen. Duh. Winning. Sure, go for it. And planking while playing uh, Nintendogs on their 3DS. And talking about how hot Taylor Lautner is. American planking in theaters 2022. That's the thing. We really need to rush this movie into production. Because if we don't release the movie this year, we'll have to completely, we'll have to do an entire rewrite from top to bottom. Yes. Because it won't be about 2011 anymore. It'll be about 2012. We'll probably have to call it like American Bazinga. Yes. Or American Adam Lambert or something. I don't know. Funny. Do you know how proud I am of this bit? I am how, how proud are you? I am so proud. And I'd bit. like to do a shout out uh, to the website pop-culture.us. I have used it so much for this, for this, for this podcast. Number one, of course, is Wikipedia. The Wikipedia can't be beaten. But right below that would be pop.culture-us. It is a godsend of a website. Really? Yes. And, and you just you can just go to any website and it tells you, here's the big things this year. Here's who won all the sporting events. Here's the big news. Here's the weird news. 
here's the top songs, here's the top movies, here's the sex symbols of the day. It, it has helped me so much. Cool. Uh, please stop singing that song, okay? Please. Please. Or I am getting the spider we just caught, I'm letting it loose in your room. No. Yeah. So please stop singing Everyone Farts on Friday. Okay, please. Okay? And don't get me wrong. It's it's obviously going to be a hit song. But we just need to work on it. We need to fly in Jeff Chris to do the mixing to get this thing really popping. I was thinking we need some ukulele on this bitch. Yeah, we need some ukulele on this bitch. Okay, I'm 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 setting loose the spider. Okay, then stop singing Everyone Farts on Friday. Okay? Stop singing songs, period. Okay? Why don't you you know what? I just what? I just got a text. It's from mom. She really wants to hear your song. She really wants you to sing it over and over again, even when she says for you to stop. Uh, Natasha just screamed from the other side of the house. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby, which uh, didn't know she could hear this. But hey, you know, that's fine. Anyway, the fun bit is over. Now let's talk about this freaking movie. It's a great film. It's a wonderful film, and I love it. That being said. I only care about the drag racer and Mackenzie Phillips. Everyone else can go F themselves. Really? I don't care about Ron Howard. I don't care about I don't care about Opie Cunningham. I don't care about Laverne and Shirley. Richard Dreyfus is 17, but somehow he's still acting like a 50-year-old man. Yes. I'm rooting for Toad, and the only one I really care about is the drag racer in Mackenzie Phillips. I their whole dynamic is adorable, and I'm and I I showed that I showed a bit of it to uh, Natasha, and my wife said, uh, "What they just leave this twelve year old girl with this guy?" And it's like, is it, it was a different time. I can understand as the you know, you're the younger child and your parents are like, oh, if you're going to go out, take her with you. So they just saddled her with a stranger and took off. And that's the only plot line that I actually care about because they they don't know each other. They're in the same car and they end up kind of liking each other. And I lo- but not in a creepy way. Yeah. Although the word rape is used way too many times in this movie for my taste. Yes. I still love their entire dynamic and and it makes the film for me. I forgot how much I had a crush on Mackenzie Phillips when I was a kid. Well, if I was going to rank them, uh, yeah, yeah, I, either that for me, I think it's a close neck and neck between that storyline and the Toad storyline, which I really yeah. enjoyed. Yeah, Richard Dreyfus is okay. But he's also basically the plot of the movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I could have totally done without Ron Howard. Opie Cunningham? Yes. I could have totally gone without Opie Cunningham. Yeah. I will say, though, seeing uh, Opie Cunningham in a movie 
It has been so long since I've seen this, but I still just hear Arrested Development in my head. How so? What do you mean? He was the uh, Ron Howard was the narrator of the show Arrested Development. Was he? I don't remember that. Yeah, he was the narrator. He was the executive producer and the narrator. And so, it, even when he's like still like a wet behind the ears green kid in this movie, I still hear him as an adult narrating uh arrested development it, that was fascinating to me i didn't yeah. think i liked that show that much but apparently i do see now i would argue that this is george lucas's best movie um from a filmmaking perspective storytelling perspective this is his best uh, I think everyone knows what his best film was. His best film was when he said, you know, those three action movies I did. What if we did it with better special effects? But instead of action, it's just about trade disputes. <laughs> That's his best film. Period. Because he doesn't uh, have a whole hell of a lot of films. He does not have a whole hell of a lot of films. <clears throat> so, uh, Th THX 1138 is a boring fucking movie. Okay, so, so and you the never reason hear it brought up in conversation when people are talking about good science fiction movies, you'll only hear it brought up when people are talking about George fucking Lucas. I do like how he keeps trying. Yeah. Like in American Graffiti, one of the license plates is THX 138. Yeah. And then in the first Star Wars film, where are you taking this thing? Prisoner transfer from cell block 1138. We get it. You like your first film. <laughs> okay, we get it. You're the only one. Uh-huh. The reason why American Graffiti exists is because Francis Ford Coppola said, hey, you know, it, and this is all over the Internet. This story is all over the Internet. This was on uh, Mental Floss. This was on Wikipedia. This was on all over the place that like Francis Ford Coppola and his weird art collective, you know, are there of all those filmmakers. And right. uh, he he puts up money to get THX 1138 made. And then it bombs because it's depressing as F and weird. And so Francis Ford Coppola said, uh, George, I loved your first film, but I would challenge you to make something that everyone will love and that will take the nation by storm. Can you do that? And what that story sounds to me is just a nicer way of saying, hey, Lucas, it's me, Franny Coppola. Hey, that THX 1138 was good, but how about for your next movie? Why not try making a movie people fucking like? Yeah. And I mean, and, and that's Star basically Wars, the only reason why this movie exists. And Star Wars was a good movie, but it was a very simplistic movie. The plot was think, very simplistic. It it was just completely linear. This happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened, and you get to a nice end. It's a fun little ride, but like. It's not great cinema. 
You know what I mean? I feel that But people... here's what I'm going for. That yeah. George Lucas's best movie, in my opinion, American Graffiti, is the one that pissed him off so much because there was too much studio interference in the movie. So, this is the one George Lucas doesn't particularly like. And I am really wondering, I, I feel that that, that, I think George Lucas kind of sucks. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Just basically as a filmmaker, he's not really that great a filmmaker. Eleanor, what's wrong? Okay. Um, what do you want me to do about it? What can I, how can I help you? Okay, you think about it, and I'll keep doing this. Um, American Graffiti, a 1973 film, a prequel to the Star Wars franchise, starring Ronnie Howard and Richie Dreyfuss. Uh, crazy hot take, Bunny. I got a hot take for you. All right. Dazed and Confused is American Graffiti for the 70s. Oh, sure. Even down... To the cool older friend. Yes. Who graduated before everyone else. Well, and is kind in, of a pervert. That, yeah, it's in that same genre. The, the coming of age high school thing. I never liked Dazed and Confused. I have fun with it. it, it there's no one there I would ever be friends with. And there's another one in between these two movies. I just can't think of what it is. But the same thing. Bunch of, well, fucking goddamn almost. The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club, yeah. I mean, that's I, basically I the same that. thing. I saw that at the beginning of this year. It was weird. The, the TV edit of The Breakfast Club is hilarious. Really? Because it was edited back when it first aired on TV in the 80s, and so it still maintains that, like, TV edit of, uh, oh, yeah, it was a banner freaking year in my family. My freaking dad said, hey, so-and-so, get your Mickey Thicky keister up and do things, you cockeyed fellow. You know, that that bad dubbing? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's hilarious. Uh, so... This is another something I wanted to mention about this week's film, American Graffiti. So in 1973, uh, American Graffiti comes out. And six years later, in 1979, a very bad sequel called More American Graffiti came out and spawned a trend of yeah. bad sequels to classic films. Who can forget Apocalypse Even Nowier? Even now, you're yes, and uh, raging but, bull. But, but they they really did some awesome bull. work in that movie with puppets. Yeah, it, you can't you know, deny that. What other sequels uh, were in this trend, Bunny? I've got a few of them. Who could forget Amadeus Two, Amadeus, Amadeus? That's where that song came from. Amadeus, Amadeus. Yeah, Amadeus Two, Amadeus, Amadeus. <laughs> So that was a uh, that was another bad sequel to a classic well, movie. Well, there was there was the the Gandhi two Gandhi eats pork, which was yes. highly controversial. 
it was just Gandhi going into like a hometown buffet and just going to town. Who could forget ET2 extra extra read all about terrestrials? <laughs> that 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 featured the entire cast of both ET and broadcast news. Yeah. Yeah. Platoonier? Platoonier? Platoonier was the platooniest platoon. Hmm? Indiana Jones in the search of where the hell is the goddamn toilet paper? To be fair, Raiders of the Lost Ark is a classic, amazing, perfect film, and they did have a shitty sequel. It was called Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Crystal Skull, whatever. Oh, God, yes. Uh, Do the Wrong Thing. Do the Wrong Thing, yes. Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time Twice. (laughs) And then the subtitle was Twice Upon a Time Part 2. Yes. It was was a really long title. Bluer Velvet. Bluer Velvet. Followed by the third in the trilogy. That sounds sounds way more pornographic. Yeah. Yeah, Blue or Velvet. Oh, he, this one's my favorite. <laughs> Elephant Men. Elephant Men. <laughs> because the last one just had one Elephant Man. So for the sequel, they're going even harder. Elephant Men. Now, if that's a mad scientist creating an army of Elephant Men, yeah, I'm down. Conditioner? Conditioner? <laughs> That was the sequel to Shampoo. Oh. Oh, well, that's uh, and, hardly a classic. Yeah. And who can forget the prequel Half Metal Jacket? Half Metal Jacket. It's before the jacket became a full jacket. Yes. Uh, the Touchables. The Touchables. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. Uh, this one's, I like this one. Das Bunch of Boots. Das Bunch of Boots. Uh huh. Yeah. Even meaner streets. <laughs> oh, and this one I like. This one I like. Alice moved back here. Alice moved back here. But since they are doing sequels now uh, from older movies such as Bill and Ted and. I can't think. There are a few more Top floating Gun. around that they're talking. Top Gun, yeah. So I, I am I am suggesting that a modern sequel in that vein would be Uber Driver. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Uber Driver. They kind of made that movie. It's called Spree, and it stars uh Steve Harrington from Stranger Things. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, it's a movie that came out during the pandemic, during the lockdown. It's a horror movie about this guy who does like Uber and he wants to be a popular streamer, but no one cares. And then one time while he's driving and streaming, he accidentally kills someone and more people watch. So he just goes on a killing spree. Yeah. Because people are watching him. It, 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 it's a pretty good movie, and it's got a really good cast, and I like it. But it it, it it's pretty. I it, don't know. It's, See, it's cheap as hell. 
Steve Harrington has to do whatever he could do to get as much cash as he can right now, because if anybody yes. walks away from Stranger Things as a trivia question, it's him. Yeah. Yeah. But I was really impressed with his work in Spree. He's a, he's a pretty good actor. I'm glad. I was, I was just happy to see him in something else, you know? Keeping, keeping in the theme of the movie, okay? More or less. He, he is the Ralph Mouth. Yeah. Of Stranger yeah. Things. Yeah. And it'll end and we will never hear from him again. Well, uh, yeah, probably. I like him, though. I like him. I, I, I liked Ralph. Uh, that's all I've got. That's all I've got for this film. It's a good film, and I like it. It's a classic. There was a Mel's Diner in Sacramento uh, by my bookstore. Yeah. Natasha and I had eaten there a number of times. Well, I, I, I am using this. If I have one thing to say about this movie, I am using this movie as an example, as proof and evidence that George Lucas eh, not really that good of a filmmaker. Mm. May, yeah. What, what yeah. the fuck would he have done to this movie? Except make it worse. You know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see George Lucas get all George Lucas with his other films. So he releases American Graffiti, the special edition. Yeah. He adds a bunch of extra 1962 characters to it via computer-generated special effects. Yeah. And a couple of aliens. Yeah, like like he had some extra musical scenes. He had some dead people to it. Yeah, like we I, we'd I think, be watching the movie again, and all of a sudden he'll be like, "Wait a second, was that was that just fucking Fabian in the background?" Yeah. <laughs> like, holy shit, that's Greedo. Yeah. What is he doing? Buying toad alcohol. Yeah. Pretty sure this wasn't in the first one. But it was I pretty found, it was pretty nice of Greedo. <clears throat> I found online on uh archive.org. Uh it's not a perfect quality, but the original 16 millimeter print of Star Wars. Really? And it's really fascinating because, like, okay. Greedo shot first, and uh, oh, we made Mos Eisley bigger, and you think of all the major things that they changed, but it's the little things. You know what's weird? You know what's really weird? Going to see Star Wars and hearing Aunt Beru's actual voice. <laughs> I don't know why they dubbed her, but they dubbed her, and you hear her normal-ass voice in the 16-millimeter print. It's the little things that have been added over the years. Even just the fact that, like, the credits roll, the music plays, Star Wars, and then it just says, it is a time of deep trouble. There's no Damn episode in the morning. four. There's, there was no episode four in the beginning. <laughs> there was no A New Hope. That wasn't there in 1977. So, like, it's I think fascinating. There was. No, I there think was there not. was. Nope. Nope. Really? Okay. Yeah. 
It's fat. It's like the little things that like, okay, so yeah, in this one scene, while they're doing this shootout, they added flashes. The flashes aren't there anymore. Why did they get rid of why did they add the flashes? I guess the, there are so many little changes that changes that people just haven't noticed. And it it upsets me that he is out here changing all of these movies that he has already done. And it's just, man, why don't you just do that with everything? Oh, finally, the like 12th cut of THX 1138. Okay, but but doesn't that help back up my point? Like, yeah, no, it absolutely does. W- w- why is he still working on this fucking movie if he got it right the first time? Yeah. Yeah. Excellent question. Oh, I meant to, I meant to, I meant to do this in the monologue, but, um, so you know how Kanye West has been losing his mind? Oh, yeah. Uh, one thing that kind of got lost in the cracks is over the last week or two, he said that. He met with, he was hanging out with uh, Quentin Tarantino and Jamie Foxx. And oh, yes. Django Unchained was his idea. Yes, I had heard this. And that's fascinating because I also heard that he was hanging out with some other uh, movie makers and he's like, I got this great idea for a movie. What if it was a kid's movie? Kids could like stand up and scream at the screen. <laughs> and Christopher Lloyd's there, the Dread Pirate Roberts. You call it Oogie Love. It's going to be the next big thing. <laughs> so that movie was his idea, too. It's surprising how many movies were actually Jamie Foxx's idea. <laughs> well, Kane West did come up with the idea. Django Unchained. Unfortunately, he came up with it a year after it had come out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Makes sense. Makes sense. It tracks. We have to put this in perspective. Yeah. So that's it for this week. American Graffiti. It's a wonderful film. It's a wonderful film. Let me tell you something. I imagine when you're watching it for the first time in a theater, Probably the Wolfman Jack scene is more surprising than like me watching it in 1989 on TV and go, well, that's fucking Wolfman Jack. Yeah. Obviously, I've seen him a million times. Yeah. But I imagine you're watching it in the movies and it's like, okay, you probably can't tell that that's Wolfman Jack, but that's Wolfman Jack. That's Wolfman Jack. Yeah, that's Wolfman Jack. He slicks his hair back. He also uh, takes his steak sloppy. <laughs> he used to be a real piece of shit. Uh, Was he? Well, no, no. I, I'm, I'm just quoting. I think you should leave with Tim Robinson, the oh. greatest television show of all time. <laughs> so that's all I've got for this week. Bunny, what are we watching next week? In keeping with trying to have some just some more fun and get away from all the fucking COVID movies and all that and just the hellish landscape that we live in day to day. And uh, so I, I I'm guaranteed you're going to like this one. Okay. It is a movie I'd watched once before, but really needs a uh, I need to pay more attention. It it deserves more attention. 
So we're going to be doing anything everywhere all at once or however the fuck you say it. Didn't we already do that? Did we do that? No. We haven't done that? We haven't? No. We've talked about it here and there. I I Okay, so there's Werewolves Within. And uh El Topo. Wow, I got I went pretty far. My name is Nobody. Oh, I loved that movie. Okay, <laughs> uh Spider-Man No Way Home. There's Jim Thorpe. Oh yeah, 2025 The World Enslaved. Songbird. Virus Shark. Sh Crimes of the Future. Shit, we didn't do it. We didn't do it. Oh. Fuck yeah. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. E E A A O. You know who's watched this? I've watched this. Natasha has watched this. Mal has watched this. Maxwell has watched this. Yeah. Oh, I love this movie. I love this movie so much. And the fact that when I first saw it, I, I went to go see it. The Like, once it came out in my small town, before it, it was like the shit and everybody was talking about it. And I didn't know who the guy was. I was just watching the opening going, shit, that, that, that voice rings a bell. Shit, that voice rings a bell. Shit, that voice rings a bell. Shit, that... Is that fucking short round? <laughs> Holy crap, let me get my phone. Oh my god, that's data from Goonies. Holy shit, I had no idea. <laughs> so, everything everywhere all at once. Oh, I... That movie, legitimately, there was a story that, um, that the movie came out and caused a googly eye shortage. Really? Yeah, that so many people were buying googly eyes and putting them onto everything that it caused a googly eye shortage. I love this movie so much, and and it just it really sucks because there are a lot of movies this year that I that would be my number one favorite movie of the year if it wasn't for everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Like there's a movie called Brian and Charles that is so good. Marcel the Shell with Shoes on, an yeah. A24 Kids movie. Oh, I love it breaks my heart. Uh I love Don't Worry Darling. I just got Emerald to watch that and we've yeah. been talking about it for like the last 2 days. I freaking love that movie. I am I am undecided about it yet at this point. Okay, I absolutely love it, but like Everything, everywhere, all at once. Absolute number one best movie of the year, hands down, far none. Uh, really excited for this next episode. Thank you, Bunny. Uh, really excited for the next one. But now that I'm looking back at this one, wow, uh, American planking, Doss bunch of boots, uh, Scream three and Columbine, uh, Terrifier two. I gotta say, I think. Uh, dead ass. This has been a good episode of the podcast. This has been a damn good episode. Okay, good. I was gonna say that, but I didn't want to step on your toes because I feel like you're the one 
who gives like the final ranking of the episode as to whether or not it's an okay episode, a fine episode, a good episode, or a damn good episode. That's like S tier. So yes, I concur with your assessment, good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Mayland. And on behalf of I can hear people running through the house to get to this. <laughs> and on behalf of Natasha and Mal and Eleanor and everybody else, I just want to say thanks for listening. And we will see you next week, you godless heathens. No one has come. <gasps> and, and you, douche waffles and poopy toots. I got to finish this myself. How do I even do it? I don't know. Panic. Okay, do do Mal's line. And you do fossil and you do waffles and poopy toots. Close enough. Okay, now you do one for you. You spray cans. Okay, now pretend to do Eleanor's, but in an Eleanor voice. What is Eleanor? And you, and then she says something. And you giddy cats. Nice. Oh, and now you're here. Less than a minute. On and you do waffles and booby touch. Okay. <laughs>